Hello, you're listening to the Hosanna Houston podcast. Hosanna Houston is a church for all people, transforming lives through love and generosity. Here, we revisit Sunday sermons from Pastor Edwin Guerra. Amen. Would you just bow your head and let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence in this place. To you be the glory this morning, Jesus. To you be the honor. If you're here with us, just take a moment and say, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence. If you're watching right where you are, you say, Jesus, would you come into this place? Our hearts are ready for you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have, that we can gather, just open up your word and come into your presence. Speak to us, each and every one of us, according to your will. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Good morning. God bless you guys. Good to have you guys here. If you're joining us via online, thank you for joining us. Today we're going to look at the book of Jeremiah. So if you have your Bible, go to the book of Jeremiah. And we'll stay and we'll be... Mostly in Jeremiah 29. And hopefully today we can grow and learn together a little bit more about this. Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, God promises to give his people a future and a hope here on Jer- in Jeremiah 29, 11. But sadly, today, many people take these type of promises like this and completely rule out the possibility that they themselves might be or are going to go through any type of suffering or despair or problems or situations. When we read promises like Jeremiah 29, 11. And today I want us to consider this promise in a little bit wider and more biblical context so that it can help all of us in the way God meant it to help the body of Christ. This is one of the most known and well-quoted promises of God, Jeremiah 29, 11. But it's also one of the most taken out of context verses in the entire Bible. And I want us to look at this because it means of what it means that possibly and most likely most of us will go through some difficulties in our lives and how this relates. And I mean how the difficulties or the suffering can relate to the will of God, the perfect will of God for our lives. So I want to take a moment and just, if you are going through something, you're here or watching us. 
you're going through a struggle, difficulties, problems, whatever it is, I want to encourage you because God has not forgotten about you. And God is available. And God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those things still hold true. God is a God of miracles, of impossibles. Now, if you're not going through anything, if you're not struggling and having difficulties in your life at this point, because you will, we all will at some point in our lives, I want you to hold on to these truths that you'll hear today because most likely you'll need them down the road, maybe around the corner, who knows. So if we can read again with me, let's read Jeremiah 29. We're going to read 11, 12, and 13. So let's read together. For I know, verse 11, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, these words are well known by many people. And people even frame these words and put them on posters and uh, pictures on their walls and T-shirts and bracelets and all kinds of stuff. And all that is not too bad. But the problem is that many of us don't know when God said this, who he is saying it to, and why he said it to who he said it. Now, if we don't know why God says something in his word, here's the tendency that any... Most humans have. And I mean most, I mean everyone. Okay? When we don't know what God meant in the word of God, we easily take it and make it mean whatever fits our lifestyle and whatever fits our current need. And so we'll mold the word of God so it fits our situation when we don't read the word of God, in context of what it actually meant for those people and what it means for us today. Now, all kinds of people in this world can be suffering. When somebody tells you you have a, ter- a terminal illness, when somebody tells you uh, 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 or your spouse says, you know, I'm out of here. When they give you that bad news about your child, Then you begin to wonder, I thought, I thought that the plans of God for me were plans of good and not plans of disaster. I thought that the plans of God for me were promises that I could have now. Why am I going through this? And this is what tends to happen when we take a verse out of context and we just grab it and run with it. And then we feel disappointment because our life is not going the way we think this says our life should be going. 
or even in the midst of difficult times in our lives, we tend to think because of verses like this that, oh, my suffering will end quickly. It'll, it's just a time in my life that this is going to happen. So I should expect this to end soon. And because we don't read things in context, we have issues with the word of God. And then sometimes it can lead to unbelief or disappointment in God himself because we are not reading the scriptures correctly. So what does the passage really mean? And it's so important that you and I can read these things in context. So this is what was happening when God gave this promises to the people of Israel, his people, people of God. In those days, the people of God had been split up in two. One was the northern kingdom, and it was called Israel. The other one was the southern kingdom, and it was called Judah. And it was split up, and it was like this because of their sin against God, their rebellion against God. This was happening, and over and over, God had sent prophets and word to repent, to change, to go uh, do away with evil and come back to the Lord. Over and over, God had been saying this. They had fallen into idolatry and immoralities. They were worshiping all kinds of gods, including all kinds of sins, And God had sent over and over prophets over a hundred times in the book of Jeremiah. God calls his people to repentance over a hundred times. He's saying, repent from your sins. Kind of like us today. We still try and choose and pick our own ways. So let's read Jeremiah 29 verse 1. So right there where you are, just go up to verse 1. And let's see how this starts. And it says, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So Jeremiah writes this type of letter in chapter 29 to warn them about false prophets of that time. That the false prophets in that time were saying to them, and you can go back, and we don't have time to go through all this, but you can go back to chapter 28, and they were saying, this, don't worry, suffering is going to end soon. This is not going to last. Don't worry. This is going to be, actually, it gets very specific. And one of the, uh, Hananiah, I believe it's his name, he goes and says, in two years, don't worry, this is going to be all done. God's going to bring us all back to our land. Don't sweat it. Now, jump to chapter 29, verse 8 and 9, and see what God says about this. Verse 8, it says, This is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams. Verse 9, because they are telling you lies in my name. I 
have not sent them, says the Lord. Now jump to, uh, back to verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. Let's read it together. And it says, verse 4, it says, This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The God of Israel says to all the captives uh, he has in exile to Babylon from Jerusalem, build homes, verse 5, and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, verse 6. Then, then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply. This is God speaking. He says, do not dwindle away. Verse 7, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. So God is saying, I sent you into captivity. Pray for the Lord. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare that will determine your welfare. So in other words, God is saying to them, I want you to hear this. These prophets are saying, don't worry, this is going to end soon. And God, I am saying to you, get comfortable. He's saying, grow, build your cities, and uh, have families, have kids, marry them. Get comfortable where I put you in exile. This is what God is saying. If you go to back to chapter 28, you see that they were saying false prophecies, false claims to the people of God. It's not enough to just say, oh, it's God. When God comes in front of that and says, those are lies. Now, imagine suffering like this, where you are taken from your home and taken into exile, in captivity. And God says to you this, hey, I put you there. I need you to settle in that place. I need you to get comfortable. And then people within that settlement is telling you, no, 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 God is saying that in two years we're going to be free. Don't worry. Stop sweating it. And God is saying, get comfortable because this is going for the long run. How long exactly? Look at verse 10 and what it says. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But, will, but, uh, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. Imagine those, those good news from God. Hey, you're in exile, you're captive. They're in Babylon. And he's saying now, 70 years is where you're going to be. 70 years. Get comfortable. This is your new normal. For most people to hear that good news in those days, that meant the rest of their life. That was the promise. The rest of their life, they were going to be in captivity. I don't know how good news that's, that's I don't know if that's even good news for some. But you got to remember what was happening. Over and over, God had warned them about their state about their situation, about their sin. And then they go both in captivity, and now God is saying to them, because of your sin, I have placed you here, and this is the promise. You will be there for 70 years. Think about what emotions, what thoughts those people were having. 
when they tell you your suffering is still going to go on for the next 70 years. And then I will come and do what I've always promised to do. And so that we can understand that this is the context of Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, for I have plans, for I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And that's the context. That's where they found themselves in captivity when God gives them that promise. And you see how important it is to take not just a verse and throw, and throw it on our walls, on our t-shirts, on our posts or whatever, and say, yes, God is for us. But yet this was happening to these people. They were in captivity. And for the next 70 years, that was their faith. How important it is to read something in the word of God or anything we read and read it in the context which God meant it to be. Now, as we read these type of verses, we, we have to be aware that there is a word and there is a hope and there is a silver lining behind all of this for each and every one of us, right? When we read these type of things, but we cannot tend to somehow take these promises for us and think, oh, my situation is different. I will make sure my situation is different. It's, it's, it's not different. We are the people of God, and sometimes we are sinners, just like they are. Sometimes we hear the warnings from God, and yet we still choose to do our own will. What makes you think it's different for you or for me? It's not different. It's not different at all. So these verses of Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13, are they good news or no? Should we frame them? Should we put them on our wall? Should we make t-shirts about them? I mean, the answer is yes, but we should know what we're talking about. We should know where it comes from. We should know why it was said to us, right? So now if you read Jeremiah 29, 11, 14, and I'm reading a different translation than this one. This is the ESV that I'm reading, and it says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God is the one doing this. God sent them into exile because of their disobedience. And he is saying, I am the one that's going to take you from there as well. I am the one doing these things. God's promises to them wasn't, look, I put you in exile and now good luck with your life. No, no. He's saying, I put you there and I'm going to take care of you there. 
and I'm going to watch over you there, and I'm going to pull you out eventually from there. I am doing this. And it's the same in our lives. If you are in a difficult situation, if you find yourself going through a moment or years in your life of difficult struggles, listen to this. If God puts you there, he will walk with you through that time. And he is the one that's going to pull you out of that circumstance. Now, our job is not to sit here and just claim these things and try to speak things into existence because we are not gods to do that. We cannot do that. It is unbiblical to think that way. But what we can do is understand that we can stand on his promises that he is walking with us through this difficulty. And we are aware that he is a powerful God that can do these things, not only for his people, but for us as well. In these days, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is the hope that we have. Think about how amazing and gracious and powerful and merciful God was being with the people of Israel. In their sin, in their sin, in captivity, God is saying to them, I have good plans for you. It's not that they were like considering changing. It's not that they were considering, uh, uh, you know, returning to the Lord. In their sin, God looked at them and said, I still love you and I will pull you away from this. Do you see how important it is to understand how God has control of everything and that it is what he wants in his sovereign will that reigns and rules over our lives? This is where we stand. And all we ought to be doing is understanding he is in control. He has everything in control over my life. Now, when we read this in context, it's supposed to make us understand how faithful God is. Because in, in, even in our unfaithfulness, God remained faithful with his people. Look at what Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32, that second part of verse 32 says quickly, I'll read it. It says that the people of Israel, they were, this is their condition. Yet for years on end, my people have forgotten me. This was the state of them. It says they had for years been doing these things. For years, it says, they have forgotten me. But God is saying, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. It's an amazing thing to think that a holy God will still look at sinners like us and say to us, I love you still in this condition. I love you. I have not forgotten you. That is what makes us turn to him and run to him because he is still good. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Today, if you search for God, you will find him. 
God rewards those who search for him, who pursue him, who seek after him. Church, here and watching, search the scriptures, search for God, spend time not just quoting little cute verses, but spend time searching the scriptures for your life to get to know God. The priority here is not just salvation. The priority here is to get to know God. I hope you see that. Salvation is a reward. But the best thing that we should be desiring is to know him better. And when we know God, it will show the state that we are in and we will see, oh my goodness, how far am I from a holy God and where do I stand? How much more do I need from him? It points out the areas of my life that need to be surrendered to God. Let me open this parenthesis. This is not in my notes, but I want you to hear this. The fact that somebody lives in continuous sin. The, the, the fact that somebody is always, maybe even with the same problem continuously in their lives, is because they just don't know God. Because if they knew God, they would see Once again, how far they are from a holy God that loves them. And if he did not spare his own son, what makes you think that he's going to spare you and I? Please hear this out. How dare we think that we're different or special at times? Oh, God loves me. He knows I'm good. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Now, the only thing that matters is that God knows you and that you know God. The only thing that matters is that God knows you and that you know God. Let's read Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 9, I'm sorry, verse 23 and 24. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. It says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. Verse 24. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. Highlight that truly. Know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, which was what he was doing for the people of God in those days. And he continues to do today to us. It is a miracle that God does not strike us down every single day because he is good. And he says, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Let me translate into my words what that means. 
It does not matter how smart you are. It does not matter how powerful you are. It does not matter how much money you have or who you think you are in this life. The only thing that matters is that you know God and he knows you. Period. That's it. So the question today is, do you know God? Or do you just quote cute verses from the Bible and put them on your social media for people to think, oh, he loves God? What are we doing? What are we doing? I'll finish with this. God is telling us today what he was telling them in those days. I will reward your pursuit of me. I'm still available. In the middle of your suffering, I want you to know that God has good plans for you. Now, it might not be the plans that you think you should be getting, but they are his plans. And if you know God, you will know that they are better than yours. Eventually, you will understand his plans are better than mine. I mean, I urge you to please go back and read chapter 28 and 29, the whole thing. And it is impressive how in chapter 28, it shows how arrogant some of these false prophets and teachers were in those days. They were saying, oh, in two years, the yoke of, uh, of slavery, uh, of captivity is going to be broken by God. And we will all go back to the things that we probably deserve and we need to be having And it's amazing, Jeremiah takes that and he says, wow, amen, hopefully that's true. But I want you to know, in, in the old days, in the prophets that have come before us, he tells this to Hananiah, the prophets that come before us, never was that type of peace promise spoken to us. And if you're speaking peace promise, I hope that it comes true because that's the only way we know it will be God, he says to him. And today, the same happens throughout the world in the church. Messages that all we want to hear is some good news about how good we really are. I love that verse that says, it, just words that tickle their ears, that fancies their hearing. We want to hear how good we are. But I'm sorry, that is false teaching someone that tells you that you're good that you're going to prosper that God wants you to be rich and that God wants you to be prosperous and that God wants you to be healthy all the time in your days he is a lying prophet that is not biblical it's not the truth of God but the truth is that he is with you and that he will walk through with you through the difficult times And that he will make a way and provide for your needs. But we cannot continue to hear these lying messages that use the word of God for their own profit. It makes no sense. They are not from God. Jeremiah 29:11 was teaching us here that God will bring us through the suffering. Even if it takes 70 years, 
even if it takes suffering the rest of my life, I am okay with it because God is sovereign and he knows best for me. God is saying to his people in the midst of suffering, I promise, I promise to enable you and to endure and walk with you. And God's promises are true to the end of times. So just hold on to the word of God. I pray that you and I do not get swayed by fancy words and easy words that come into our ears about who God is and what God is doing for us. We should take the time and dive our lives into the scriptures so we can understand exactly what he means when he says some things about us being blessed and prosperous and all these things. We need to know why he's saying those things. God is for us, not against us. I believe that with all my heart, with all my heart, I believe that God has good plans for our lives. I do believe that. But I will not lie to myself thinking that if I am going through suffering, I probably, maybe I shouldn't say this. I cannot put expectations on God. I'm nobody to put expectations on God. I am just the clay. How can we as clay tell him to make us into something that we were not meant to be? He will do whatever he wants with us. And we should be okay with that because he is God, not us. I don't care who, what, or no one, no one is above the word of God and above God. We are who he says we are. Amen. We are who he says we are. God is for us, not against us. Thank you so much for listening to the Osana Houston podcast. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to email us at info at OsanaHouston.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Osana Houston. If you would like to donate, visit our website, ozanahouston.org.